Welcome, dance lovers, to Ask a Dancer with Stacey Morgan. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ask a Dancer, the podcast where we interview performers across a wide range of performing arts genres. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm the principal of Port Macquarie Performing Arts, a dance school on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Today's guest on Ask a Dancer is stage star Tim Minton. If you have a suggestion for a guest, someone you'd love us to interview, make sure you get in touch. Tweet us at, at @dancestacy and use the hashtag AskADancer. We'd love you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a rating or review. This will help us share our love of dance with as many aspiring dancers as possible. Ask a Dancer is made possible with the support of Dance Around the World. Dance Around the World are the dance tour specialists, providing dancers and dance studios with the opportunity to see their name up in lights all over the world. Would you love to dance down Main Street in Disneyland, perform on the Hollywood Walk of Fame or take class at Abbey Lee Dance Company? Dance Around the World can make that dream a reality. Get your dance teacher to contact Roz and her awesome staff at dancearoundtheworld.com.au. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ask a Dancer, and now let's get Tim on the line. Okay, let's go. Tim Minter, welcome to Ask a Dancer. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You've had a, a really interesting career as far as on the stage and behind the scenes. Can mm-hmm. I ask when you started performing and who influenced you most in those early days? Well, according to mum, I was dancing before I was born. So um, um, I started, I, I guess what you would call, I was always dancing and doing that as a kid. And then mum sort of that that's really really what I wanted to do. So at four, I started um, class. I think my first class was creative dance, which really was just running around the room, pretending to do butterflies and things like that. And then from there, um, she saw that I was needing more, so then she looked at me um, for tap classes, and then from tap, that, that... the tap class was in the same city as the ballet teacher, and the ballet teacher saw me, you know, waiting for my tap class, doing the ballet moves, and went, aha, a boy, and I just went through that. So I, I started, I guess, training at four, and then kept going. Yeah. So I guess mum um, was my first initial person that recognised that this was something that I should do because she saw this as a child, let me. Um, see what it was like, see if I liked it, and I did, and I was committed, and so she then um, gave me the opportunity to do other classes elsewhere, yeah. Awesome. During that training, was there any major event or a moment that you can remember in time where you went, yes, this is this is what I want to do professionally, I love this? Well, it's really funny because I, as I said, started doing it when I was four, but it wasn't until I was 16 that I had the aha epiphany light bulb moment. Wow, but you and kept my, it up that whole time. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I, this is the crazy thing. I just did it because it was fun and I enjoyed it, but I never actually thought this is something that I could do as a career and make money from or, you know, something I could do. Yeah. It wasn't until uh, my parents are English, so they go back to England to visit their family when they can. And when I was 16... They went back to England and said, do you want to come with us? You know, we can do it and we'll do, let's do a bit of a trip. Let's go by in New York and let's go see a show. Oh, that's wow. fine. Now, also bear in mind that I, my parents were, you know, they took me to see shows in New Zealand all the time. You know, I, I, it wasn't like I didn't know what was happening. I just didn't put one and one together. Yeah. And there I was sitting in the theatre of, 
like went to a New York theater, which is not like anything you've seen before because you just walk in and he's basically seated, out, seated. And it was Cats. And he walked into the theater, and of course, the whole theater was just done up like a like an alleyway yeah. straight away. And so I sat down, and the music started, and I watched, you know, the opening number of Cats is still. Whenever I hear it, that opening number of Cats, I just get shivers yes. because that's when I had my aha, oh my God moment. I can actually be on stage making a living, dancing, singing, acting. I just went bing and just like everything, I guess, up until that point that I had not associated with a career yeah. only fell into place. And I just went, that's it, 16, Cats, Broadway, once in a lifetime opportunity with my parents and there I was. I went, that's it. So I came back and as a 16-year-old, you know, back to school and the teachers were going, oh, you know, you've had this wonderful time, you know, what? I guess, you know, what, what's so special about you going overseas? And I said, well, I've just decided what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Thank you very much, and, you know, and that's <laughs> what I did. Fabulous. So yeah. as a student, when you were training, either before or after that aha moment, can you recall yeah. a tough situation that you had and uh, and how you got through it and, and what you learned from it? Well, I guess, I guess, it's always a tough situation, especially not so much nowadays, but being a boy back, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but so being back, like I had a double life. So my none of my friends knew that I danced. Um, one did, um, but that was it. The rest of them didn't know because I remember sort of mentioning it once and it was, you know, that's what boys don't do, do that. So I had this other life that, so I had my school life, my friend life, and then I had my, my dancing performing life. Um, so that was particularly tough keeping that, those two lives separate for a long time. But I guess one of the, another hard one was actually post that aha moment when I was actually training, um, at, and it was in my final year at WAPA. And my teacher in my final, last semester, and it was the last, res- last um, uh, report that came out before we graduated and one of my head teachers said that um, I was not good enough to graduate and I should not be in third year and I would not have a career in this in this industry oh wow horrible Darting. and you know and and it, it threw me because I was I was quite young when I went through WAPA and um, and both, both age-wise and mentally, I was quite, you know, and it kind of threw me, and I didn't know what to do. And then I got really angry, and and then I went, you know, I, I do I stop? Do I what do I? Do? I'll give up and you know become a teacher or something, you know, and go teach basket weaving or something. And and uh, but then I went, no, come on, this, I've been doing this for all this time, been training. I've got a, and I talked to my, luckily I had some great friends that I talked to and um, that also, that are still friends today that graduated with me and um, I, you know, I managed to get through it. it but, it, but it just threw me for six that this one teacher said this right before I was graduating and I, and that was, that was but a particularly tough moment. Wow. And of course he was wrong because you went on to have a fabulous career. What was your first big break? And then how did you feel coming off that kind of rejection and then, and then becoming a success? Yeah. Well, I was not, it was quite funny because 
um, just before we graduated, me and my fellow um, graduating person, Amanda, both were cast as Lisa and Rolf in the in the production of Sound of Music. Wonderful. Um, straight away, so that's before we even graduated. So I was able to have a little bit of a <laughs> moment for that teacher uh, before I graduated, and then and then I um, after that I was quite lucky. I was never really out of work after that. I I did uh, Disney, but the biggest break I think after that was being cast in the in Sunset Boulevard, the original cast of Sunset Boulevard in Melbourne. Wow. And uh, that that was um, pretty amazing. And once again, um, you know, it was like I heard that this teacher was going, oh, I can't believe that. And everyone else was going, well, we can. And I think by that stage, and I think what it was is that when someone tells you that you can't do it, and you really want to do it, and that's all you've ever done, you kind of work even harder. You, f- yes. you draw something from inside that pushes you to actually go, look, I can do this, and and uh, you just go work work through it. And, and I did, and, and Sunset was amazing, and, um, and uh, you know, one of the highlights of my career. Fabulous. Yeah. And what happened after Sunset? Have you got some names that you can drop of people that you're in that show with and then people that you're well, in other shows? Lip, well, Bob Avian um, was the choreographer for... Really? Um, sorry? I just said, really? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah Bob, yeah. and um, So Bob Avian and... was one of the original producers of The Chorus Line. That's correct, yes, yes. among many other things. Yes. So this was his his thing. Um, so when he came to Melbourne to over oversee because because we had an American um, creative team that was his associate associate choreographers and, and directors and things but he actually came down with Trevor Nunn came down as well wow. um, to work with us for the last couple of weeks of the show to make sure it's up to international standard and I'm I was cast as a swing in the show and I'm sitting in these in the auditorium, so this was like a week before preview started, and um, there were four swings in the show, and the other three had all are all on stage at the time, and I'm sitting there in the audience going, I'm never going to go on, never going to go on, never going to go on, and Bob Avian, who was sitting behind me, said, Tim, now first of all, I freaked out because Bob Avian knew my name, yeah. <laughs> like he actually called me Tim, I went, oh my goodness, Bob Avian's calling me Tim, he goes, Tim, he said, my very first show, I was in a show with Barbara, Barbara Streisand, like he had to, like... <laughs> yeah, like he had to explain who he was talking about. <laughs> um, and he goes, you know, my first show was a swing, and, um, you know, my best friend was in it, and he said to me, he said, don't bother learning my part, because I'm never going to go off. And the next week, he broke his leg, and I was on. So you never know. So that was like, and I was in there going, Bob Avian couldn't Tim. And, and, um, and he's talking to me, and so that was really inspiring, that someone like that was able to then pass on what you know talk about something that he had done when he was younger and yes. and got through it and so so working with Bob was great working with Trevor was amazing um after that I did Boy of Moz with Gail Edwards who's fantastic and Wonderful. that was a, a stunning and that was choreographed by um Anthony Van Last who was also he's a Tony Award winning yep. choreographer as well and um so I've I've been very lucky to work with some great international people who have inspired me and I've looked up to and and have been able to work with, yeah. Wonderful. Do you have a performance that stands out 
in memory from any of those shows? Ooh. Well, I guess um, uh, in, when I did Boy From Oz, I was also a swing to that. And that's, and that's my sort of thing. I, I tend to be um, cast as a swing because um, I'm, I can sing, dance and act at a really strong level at all equally. So they tend to go, well, Tim can do that. Oh, he can also do that. Well, he can also do that. So that's why swings are really um, important in that and uh, during Boy From Oz we had a, a bout of sickness go through the cast and I remember coming into the theatre one day and sitting down at my dressing table and my call sheet was on my dressing table with the words good luck Tim written on it <laughs> and I covered seven people in one show oh wow and and what happened was the um, stage manager um, what she did is she had my what I call my Bible, the swing Bible in one hand, which is where you write down everyone's plot and what's yep. doing it. And then she grabbed my hand and pushed me, got me dressed in the costume and put me on the side of the stage and said, right, you're going on for Roy and you're coming off the other side. Go. And I did the number and then I come off. She grabbed my hand again, had my Bible. She goes, right, you're doing Dale next. She got me into my costume put me to the right position. She says, right, going off the dial, coming off this side. Make sure you come off this side. And that's what she did for the whole show. Wow. She held my hand and got me into my costumes and got me into the right place so I knew where and where I was going. And that's, you know, that was pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So you transitioned from a performer into arts administration. Tell us how that came about and uh, what it taught you about the industry. Well, it's it's I it's a, a a a nice what's a funny story really. I was diagnosed with brain cancer during Boris Moz and um and so suddenly everything stopped for me mm. while I went through recovery. And all is well, all is good, all is fine. But it did make me stop performing on that level. And and then you go through, once I recovered, you go through, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, sort of thing. I, you know, did some teaching and realized that I could teach. And then and then um, a job came up where I was ushering at a theater in, um, in Auckland. And a job came up um, to be in the education um, part of this um, art center. And so I thought, well... And I looked at what they required, and I go, well, I had this career, which is, I can tick that box. I've taught, so I tick that box. And um, then I realized that a lot of my other skills that I picked up, you know, ushering, um, event management, things like that, all came under this box. So I applied, went through the whole interview process, and lo and behold, I was employed. So what, what astounded me is that a lot of the skills that I had gained throughout my career at that point, never knowing that they were ever going to be used again, um, all were able to be pulled together to fit into this job in, in arts in arts management and producing an education program. And so I, I, I got into it that way and I was and um with with the skills and things that I've had and, and the experience I had, I was able to um you know, inspire 
which is great. Kids, we used to do a mentorship program where we um, mentored um, up-and-coming young um, students with professionals in both the Royal New Zealand Ballet, as you know, and the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra, and just being able to give that, give something back and get provide opportunities that I never had when yeah. I was younger because I was from New Zealand and I had to leave little old New Zealand and move overseas to train because the training wasn't available in New Zealand. And suddenly, 10 years later, 20 years later, it was there. So I was able to um, give that to to, um, to students that never had that, when, like I never had when I was younger. Wow. Yeah. Such an inspiring story, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ask a Dancer. Is there any message that you would like to leave all of our, our listeners with? If you love it, then you give it your all. Yes. Don't, don't, I think the thing is, is if you're young, young enough, don't even think about a backup because if you have a backup, you'll use it. I think if you if you want to do it and you love it and there's nothing else that you it's all in focus it's what you want to do you go for it and you go for it hard because you know as as we get older there's no such thing as wasted education and whatever you've done in the past as I found out will only serve you in the future and you can always retrain when you get older but if you really want it you go for it and you go for it hard. Excellent advice. Tim Minton, thank you so much for joining us on Ask a Dancer. You're welcome. Got a question for one of our dance stars? Tweet your question to at dance Q&A with the hashtag Ask a Dancer. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ask a Dancer. We're trying our very best to make these episodes as regular as possible, so please share this episode if you've enjoyed it with your friends. If you have any burning questions you'd like me to ask one of our dance stars or anyone that you think you would love to hear from, make sure you get in touch with us. You can find me at, at @dancestacy, and always make sure you include the hashtag Ask a Dancer. We would love it if you would leave us a rating or review on iTunes as this helps us reach as many aspiring dancers as possible. And of course, a big special thanks to our friends at Dance around the world the dance tour specialists for making this podcast possible don't forget to get in touch with dance around the world if you and your dance friends would love to dance on broadway see the sights of euro disney or take class at pineapple studios thanks so much for tuning in and i look forward to talking to you soon on ask a dancer thanks for listening to ask a dancer with stacy morgan get in touch with us at wpmpa.co or at dance q a on twitter